the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. Okay, house lights down. Good afternoon, Jim Anger. My husband. So we meet again. (laughs) Welcome to the Post Sunday Blues, a post uh, post Sunday. Wait, what? Preaching post mortem. Preaching post mortem. (laughs) I still can't get the name of this this podcast. It's um, it's a tongue twister. You need to. I'm just impressed by the catchiness of it. It's so memorable. That's why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Welcome, welcome. Happy President's Day, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Yes. And. And I'm in a uh, not in my man bun today. Oh yeah, we're recording at a different time. Yeah, I watched our son play basketball this morning uh, during our usual podcasting time. It was kind of fun. That's right. Indoor with the masks, <laughs> really separate. Um, COVID is such a strange time. Anyways, that that's uh, enough of uh, the small banter. <laughs> Let's get to the bigger banter. How was your day yesterday? Get to the bigger banter. It was, well, we played harmonica at church, and I'm using the royal plural on purpose there. I am the lead harmonica player at Liberty Church Collingswood. I have no idea how anything else went, but music was awesome. Oh, that's Andrew true. It out true or false? Um, one of our children said to me when you started playing, Dad just wanted the extra screen time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will neither confirm nor deny that, but I will say that I enjoyed it. Oh, yes. This next generation, the Zoomers, they are very attuned to wanting extra screen time. Right. I'm on the way to being a YouTube sensation. Yes. Before I, they are. Right. And the podcast sensation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was also Valentine's Day yesterday. It was. Joanna, our liturgist, was wearing a bright pink 80s, styling 80s rockin' outfit. Yep. I, I loved her. Yeah, it was really good. And Em, why don't you tell the listeners what we did for each other on Valentine's oh, Day Oh, no, yesterday. see, I was going to ask you. <laughs> oh, touche, beat you to it. Um, we give the gift of not having the pressure of giving gifts, so we just enjoy each other's company. So amazing. <laughs> we don't necessarily recommend this for every couple. This is not a uh, couples therapy podcast. but Emily No, I... but seriously, I do recommend not going out on Valentine's Day night. It's kind of terrible. Yeah. I feel like the restaurants are super overbooked. The yeah. wait- waiters and waitresses are kind of super stressed. Right. Yeah. If you go at all, it's only to like observe other couples in <laughs> random states of couple coupledom. That's true. <laughs> so it'd only be for the reality TV aspect, not for the, if you want to enjoy a romantic dinner. I, I kind of suggest, um, we have a dating anniversary coming up in a, in a couple weeks or a week. That's true. And I, I recommend just choosing a random Thursday night to go out. It's actually... A lot more pleasant. Yeah, if anybody has any recommendations about COVID-friendly, probably outdoor dining experiences for an anniversary meal, let us know. PostSundayBluesGmail.com. <laughs> In 25-degree weather. <laughs> yeah. um, actually, that I don't know. You might want to cu- cut this, but in the the ref today in Josiah's basketball game, he was really chatty with me in particular. I'm not sure why, mm. but he was giving me the tip that he he said he was 67 and retired, and that if you go on a Valentine's date, if you just take the take 
take yourselves out at a lunchtime slot. You'll get the same dinner as the Saturday evening slot, and it'll be half the price. <laughs> that was the tip from the ref. Well, we'll, we'll be in the early bird dinner phase soon enough. Yeah. Okay. So we're at Call me, Call It Stormy Monday, um, and as the Stormy Monday goes, you kind of look back on yesterday's sermon, and what was the message you wanted to bring to your audience? Give Me Shelter, the Rolling Stones song. That's what we were driving at this past weekend. And so this was the second of a two-part mini-series of sermons um, drawn from the Psalms in between a long sermon series about community based on a Rusty George book, and then also we're going to deal with and engage issues related to racial reconciliation, systemic racial injustice, starting next Sunday for Lent. So we had these two weeks, and my idea behind going to Psalm 125 was that we would be able to buffer up between a couple of long sermon series. So Songs of Ascent are 15 psalms later in the Psalter. They're pilgrim psalms as people in ancient Judah and Judea during the feast times of the year would make their pilgrimages to Jerusalem. And these are especially easy psalms to go ahead and jump into. And also because I anticipate this next sermon series to be challenging by intention, I wanted us to give some buffer up in the sense too of, hey, we need help, we need shelter. Let's let's get some comfort on before jumping into this other topic. Yeah, I think that I definitely felt that. I felt like just reading the psalm, um, the imagery just in the psalm itself, not even necessarily what you were saying Mm -hmm. about it, but... uh, It happens. The idea of mountains, um, that that those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. And you did Mm -hmm. kind of play this out a little bit or talk it through a little bit, but... Uh, we're not in mountains here in South Jersey, the flatlands of South Jersey. Garden State, not um, the mountain state. It's not quite as bad as when we lived in Lubbock, which was true flatlands. Yeah, but, um, we live next to a town we, called Level Land. <laughs> when we have been surrounded by mountains, um, there is something kind of crazy um, crazy about just looking at a, at a mountain mm-hmm. next to you. And I think that that image... Um, makes the psalm resonate all the more like um that's our protection that's our shelter so i i like that you chose this yeah were you digging down from a from a psalm from the past again or was this fresh i may have been uh most of my sermons are just rewritten ones no that's not true but this is a rewritten sermon from just a couple weeks after I originally preached the sermon that I pulled from last time. So part of the thought process for me was like, hey, I like that vein that I was in with the sermon about help from two weeks ago. Why don't I draw from another psalm sermon from that same period to go in in a similar direction? Yeah, and, and I love too this idea of, of mountains. Maybe we can, as we enter Sun Studios, turn to the B.B. King James version to get a little bit more into the, into the psalm here. Yeah. I mentioned towards the beginning, just imagine being a pilgrim and seeing Mount Zion, where Jerusalem is, where the temple is, break onto the horizon. And that's your goal. That's your destination. That's where the dwelling of God is with humanity. That's the nexus point of blessing from God flooding the entire universe. You're going to be captivated by that moment. So in general, coming into sight 
of a huge mountain is spectacular, but then in particular, this is not just any mountain, but it's Mount Zion. I've heard people say songs of ascents. These are like road trip playlists, and I'm sure that this one was being played and sung as people were getting to Jerusalem. Right. Um, it it feels like a, a call to hope and a call to call to. Uh, the people of God walking um, with hope in, in Jesus. Was there anything challenging specific, specifically about this passage? Oh, there's always a couple interpretive issues here and there. I'll throw out a couple right now. So when you read the Psalms, this is something about the Old Testament in general. And the Christian church has theologized, has considered this question for generations, for centuries, for millennia. Uh, but still, whether somebody in the church or outside of the church, there's a whole like God of the Old Testament versus God of the New Testament thing. And to me, the scriptures are a wonderful whole, written and inspired, written by people, inspired by God. But one of the difficult aspects of the Psalms is that you have these retributive parts where all of a sudden uh, enemies of Yahweh are getting slapped around a little bit. What do we do with that? And there are a couple of those here in this passage, verse 3, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. So in a psalm of comfort, not a super comforting verse, and then verse 5, but those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers before concluding, peace be upon Israel. And there's different things that preachers can do with these sorts of verses. For verse 5, those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. I said in the sermon last time that Jesus sings all the songs of Israel as the true human, the true Israelite. That includes Jesus singing songs, even though he was without sin himself, of Israel's disobedience. So the center of the Christian story is that the Lord Jesus was led away with evildoers. So we see the wrath of God turning upon the Son of God that we would be given grace. And then I simply used verse three, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, as a warning that we need to take God seriously in our lives and not wander away. So part of the, part of the ongoing romance of interpreting scriptures and trying to make them understandable to a modern audience, but truthful and dealing with integrity for the text itself. Yeah, that kind of brings us to the next section too. One of the questions in muddying the waters mm -hmm. is what context were you trying to engage? And um, I personally found it um, interesting that you were addressing specifically a skeptic who might want, uh, want God or want to question like, does God actually give shelter, especially in a time like pandemic? Yeah. Um, if you're facing the, the loss of a loved one, um, there's a lot of things skeptically to look at the world and see how broken it is in so many ways. Um, that's a context that I know you're trying to engage. Like, how is how are you doing that? So I focused the question specifically um, going in that direction through the first couple of verses. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Thinking about the reality is that as we sing this psalm today, the original Mount Zion and the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. So what, what do you do with that when, you know, inspired scripture yeah. is saying that, hey, this it Mount Zion's going to be around forever. Be around forever. <laughs> right. But it's, but it's not. And so the question, I think, does spin forward to us where, like, is this real? Is this trustworthy? And in general, with the Psalms specifically, 
most of the psalms end well, and there's like the happy ending point when everything comes together. Uh, our lives are not like that, and when we see progress so slow, when we struggle with God's absence, when we cry out for shelter and don't see it, and to go a little even more serious about it, there's a martyrdom problem. So in the Christian tradition, there have been martyrs that have cried out to God in their dying breaths that they would be rescued, and they were not. So at Liberty Callings, we want to be a church that takes these skeptical questions seriously, doesn't dismiss them, and we want to sit with them and weigh them a little bit. Yeah. I think that what I resonated with, the phraseology that you used was just trying trying on Jesus. Like, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so indecisive sometimes, and I want to research everything before I, like, jump in on it. Right. I feel like if you approach Christianity that way, and you want to research and, like, figure out all the dynamics um, and make, make sure it's, like, the perfect system um mm-hmm. which i you know, i genuinely believe you can get to christianity that way also but yeah. some of it is just jumping jumping in and trying it on seeing if it the, the claims of christianity are true right trying them out weighing them the the being a practicing follower of jesus is a phrase that i used right. at one point in the sermon incidentally and them the the dressing room analogy was going to be from me and guitar slim pickings but i'm excited that you picked that out <laughs> earlier so so sometimes illustrations and sermons I I plan on they're written into the sermon. Other ones just sort of come spur of the moment. So so the the dressing room analogy was that when you go to a department store or something and you want to try on clothes, you can actually try on clothes. I I had this oh no moment when I jumped into that illustration. Thinking, things changed. Yeah, wait a second. (laughs) There aren't dressing rooms anymore. The gospel is not real because there are no dressing rooms. I could see people saying. Stores are like, uh, anyways. I think that's a like middle ground. They have been some of them have stopped and others, but anyways. So you jumped in and well, said, for our Patreon subscribers, I've been vaccinated. I have been destroying <laughs> dressing rooms. You should know Stop. that for sure. Oh my god! Just gosh, kidding. Yeah. But yeah, trying on Jesus, weighing his claims, seeing if they're real, is an important part of people journeying towards Jesus, and we've experienced that for sure with different people at Liberty Collingswood. And to go back to that skeptical question, M. The way that I tried to answer it, and I'm using air quotes, uh, these are things that aren't necessarily easily answered in short sound bites during a sermon. Uh, But I tried to say that we don't have all the answers as to why God is a God of process and continues to allow so many broken things in the world, but we see that God hates death and all of its counterparts, deathliness so much that he gave Jesus up for it. So even if we don't have a complete answer as to why, we do have an answer as to when, namely when Jesus comes back, all of these things that we're struggling with and we hate will be reversed and all things will be made new. So, and over the years, practically speaking with skeptical friends, for some people that's been a really intriguing answer. For others, that has not been a satisfying answer, but at least that's the way that the scriptures tend to stretch the story from our perspective, backward to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and forward to when Jesus comes again. Right, and I think for us, those of us who are not skeptics, um, I think that there's still a parallel where like we're facing a situation that feels overwhelming or feels mm-hmm. um, empty and lonely and uh, when will this end? And like we also have to practice putting on Jesus and trusting in a promise of shelter 
yeah, it's it's not just a one-time dressing room, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. But we so need to I think keep we're all yeah, we're all in that boat together. So yeah, um, moving on a little bit to the bar band cover tunes, as you uh, you had lots of references here. You jumped in with. Uh, talking about some Spotify lists, which right. my kids were right. giggling about. Uh, tell us more about the references that, that came to you this this week. Sure. One other thing with Muddy Eric into the Waters, okay, and then sure. we'll go to bar band cover tunes, which is my favorite section. So listeners, rest <laughs> assured, we will get there. <laughs> Muddy the Waters, another challenge related to constructing this sermon. And we're in a church context where we want to be a church that's missional or on mission when we want to engage our skeptical friends and neighbors with good news we want to live speak and serve if people at liberty calling would have heard that before is a very presence of jesus in this area uh, how do you make a psalm like this missional and as somebody who's preaching in this context i want every sermon to have some type of and it doesn't have to be the whole thrust of the whole sermon but but something to encourage people uh, to live speak and serve for jesus uh, there's no obvious point at this sermon where that came out to me, so I decided to use the analogy of the temple fulfilled in Jesus. If God had designed the temple in ancient Jerusalem to be the place from which God's blessing would be carried to the whole world, and if the Holy Spirit brings us into Jesus as the temple, it's the Spirit that propels us into mission in the world. So there's this I've heard pastors say both centripetal and centrifugal forces. I actually don't know which one is which, so I'll just right. say them together. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. The the amount of science knowledge represented between Emily and me in this podcast <laughs> hey, is speak truly for yourself. <laughs> I'm I have decided to speak for myself on this at this side of the table. Not very much science knowledge. So we're drawn into God, but then sent out back into the world. So Psalm one twenty five trying to figure out how to give a missional angle to a psalm that, at least on the surface, doesn't necessarily have one. Right. And so we are that now turning to uh, bar band cover tunes, yes. looking at your references. This is where we start uh, loosening up a little bit. But uh, my, yeah, my kids, loose, baby. <laughs> my kids, one of them, um, I think you said something about um, how our kids started off really following and loving the music that Right. Yeah. That, uh, how, how did how did those lines yeah. land in the room? One of them uh, was quote unquote. I never liked dad's music. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, truth, the truth that's not entirely true, but it's not also entirely wrong. Right. I'm not say, speaking we'll for each of them, but like yes. one of them said that pretty okay. emphatically. You know, I was generalizing. But Spotify lists are a thing now, and um, the the kids did perk up thinking about that. Um, they, I liked your phrase, um, you called yourself, yourself a grumpy old man, which I am feeling more and more, both grumpy <laughs> old man and then grumpy old woman myself. Um, but you were talking about um, how the hope of the 60s curdled into the me decade of the 70s and how we're starting to be like that. Yeah. That was a, that I, I wrote that one down. There, there was a curdling. So going back to Jesse and then onto the Rolling Stones, and I was going to mention this too in the guitar slim pickings. As a rule, and M, you know this, I, I, I will not 
reference my kids in a sermon without getting their permission first. It's well, a, your wife, right? And yeah. oh, did I not say that? <laughs> Sorry, doubly so for the wife. That's not even true. You, you, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Well, that's our. That's another Patreon subscriber <laughs> podcast right there. Or when we do the counseling and in couples podcasts, we can go more into that. But for sure. I do try to get family members buy-in and permission before I just start talking about them on Sunday mornings. Classic preacher fail not to do that. And in the negative direction, some of the worst experiences that our kids have ever had listening to sermons have been when guest preachers have thrown their kids under the bus. They can't wait to talk to me about yeah, it. Yeah, vicarious. Say like, Dad, that must have been horrible hey. for those kids. I didn't listen to a word that yeah. person said. I know. So the, the, the struggle is real. In this case, I had forgotten to clear it with Jesse, and partly in my defense, my plan was to do it on Sunday morning when I left for church at 10. She had not emerged downstairs <laughs> yet in, in full preteen mode. But literally when Eric was doing announcements two seconds before I started preaching the sermon, I thought, oh, I need to get in touch with Jesse. And because she has her phone now and is on it during worship times, I knew I have a window here if I can use my fat fingers fast enough to be able to get the okay from Jesse. <laughs> and she texted back instantaneously. Oh my gosh, this is the Zoom generation. That's right. The Zoomers. Hey, hey Jesse, can I mention what happened? And she was like, sure. <laughs> Emoji. And so I was happy to do so. Yeah, I had a really sweet time with her on Friday afternoon, kind of impromptu, when she just said, Dad, you want to hear what I'm listening to on Spotify? And so she played very tender-hearted melodic singer-songwriters yeah that's jesse to me over and over and over yeah. again uh, but then went on from there to talk about you know, sidebar super bowl halftime show which was fine and then rolling stones give me shelter and mm -hmm. that was sort of the whole hook of the sermon I'm, I'm not a huge fan actually and people people will say about me that i reference bruce springsteen songs all the time in my opinion that's actually not completely true. So I do reference Bruce a lot. I don't that often quote Bruce lyrics. I tend to find, and, and tell me your mileage about this, when preachers quote song lines, they don't necessarily land because when somebody experiences a song lyric, there's such a particular place where the listener is in at that moment that it doesn't necessarily translate. Sure. And song lyrics are inferior poetry. That's why you have music behind them. I would pretty yeah. anyways we don't need to get into that but my reaction is negative <laughs> negative in agreement well okay yeah sure actually okay. no you know what it's true that music the music itself is speaking and the lyrics are are probably sub like a substandard form of communication it's the music that's communicating so you're right yeah it's a both end but then i made an exception in the case of give me shelter less for the emotional impact of hoping that these specific lyrics would land, but more generally as an illustration that, hey, we live in a context right now when we feel like we need shelter, we need protection. What do you know, 50 years ago, the Rolling Stones were singing about the same thing. Right. And then went from there, our eagle-eyed Howlin' Wolves will, under, will have made this connection already. I went reference-wise from the Rolling Stones to Robert Stone. Uh -huh. From I, Stones I, I to Stone. I missed it. I'm not that equal. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I'm reading a biography of Robert Stone, 20th century author who died recently. Uh, one of his major books right at the end of the 1990s was a book called Damascus Gate, which was set in Jerusalem. And I happened to be on Wednesday night, right before bed, reading a chapter about Robert Stone's preparation for that book. 
set in Jerusalem, and there is this really interesting quote about how Robert Stone, uh, one of those Christ-haunted people, to go back to Becca's question from a couple weeks ago, but not a person of faith, still saying that there's something uniquely enduring, powerful, and portentous about the city of Jerusalem. And I feel like, not to over-spiritualize this, but pretty often when I'm writing sermons, I'll read something that week that I'll feel like, oh, like God's led me to a nice little connection here that I could throw into the sermon. So sometimes I'll pull quotes, including the Joseph O'Neill one that I read probably 10 or 15 years ago and just made a note of it, uh, that I go back and index, use that old Rolodex, but then other ones are fresh from that week as I kind of carry forward my internal conversations forward to the sermon. Sure. I think uh, you chose well this week. I, were there any other ones that I missed looking at my list? I didn't jot any other references down. I think those were them. And what was your take when I tried to make the connection between the Jerusalem of the Old Testament and the Jerusalem to come when I quoted from when, Paul? When Jesus is the new... There's Jesus is the new temple, but then also towards the end... Uh, Paul calls the church the Israel of God in the book of in, in the book of Galatians right. and the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother so the full the full revelation of what the city of Jerusalem was always meant to be is coming in the form of the new heavens and new earth I kind of glossed over that I don't know if I glossed over it too fast or right. not I, I I think my mind was kind of wandering into a space where I was thinking about Jerusalem as a place and mm -hmm. how there is a sense of people wanting Jerusalem, like wanting the Jerusalem of the Hebrew scriptures yeah. um, as a present day thing. And sometimes it feels like the church is that Jerusalem, like you're talking mm -hmm. about. I think it is It is supposed to be, but there is still something missing where a sense of place, I, I think more I was thinking about our stance as wanderers in the world right. who don't who don't have a full Jerusalem but that so that's where my brain was headed when yeah. you were talking about it I, I think that makes sense and to me I talked towards the end of the sermon about followers of Jesus being future oriented and defined people it is a Holy Spirit filled work of our imaginations to be able to to be given the opportunity to envision a future place that we haven't seen as our home. Right. Uh, but that's the, that's one of the challenges of following Jesus. Right. Um, and that makes me think of WandaVision and oh, <laughs> that yes. is a totally different tangent. Although the decades, I wonder if that was in your subconscious too, because we've, <laughs> we've been watching WandaVision and it goes curdling into eighties and nineties yeah, comedies. Decade by decade. Uh, we're thinking in decades. Anyways, uh, let's move on to Guitar Slim Pickens. Uh, any leftovers? What else What else do I need to know? Uh, what what, what else was up there? Things? Right. So we had we had Jesse that I texted before. <laughs> I, I was actually, I, so, so, so I missed the chat this week, the chat function during the sermon, because when I would normally be on the chat for a second, well, I guess the harmonica playing also meant that I was less less on chat. But I would be on chat during announcements when Eric is going uh, before jumping on, but I was frantically texting Jesse to get her permission <laughs> instead. We already talked about the dressing room vis-a-vis -vis COVID, vis-a-vis -vis Jesus. The last thing that comes to my mind from Guitar Slim Pickings is that I got some, and this was only in the room on Sunday morning, some good Tom Brady jokes in to a couple of Tom Brady ah. fans. So, so, so I do feel like I've been vindicated in my Tom Brady hatred over this past week nobody was excited when he won the Super Bowl and my whole take is that 
having wanted Tom Brady to have won the Super Bowl this past week is a little bit like talking yourself back into your fourth wife. You (laughs) could do it, (laughs) but should you? So I feel like, I'll say it, I beat Tom Brady this past Sunday. (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, I got nothing for you there. (laughs) Definitely nothing. You have never ever told me thanks, man, before. Yeah. But you've told me frequently. Okay, let's get to the encores. Holland Wolves. We did get some notes. Um, Speaking of our Zoomer, Jessie, she was horrified that her first first Zoom didn't come up or her first review didn't come up. So I should have this pulled up. Gen Z is going to have to. Trying to to navigate technology like us Gen Xers. Doesn't work. So our Zoomer daughter, speaking of, she gave us a five-star review. She wrote, awesome. And then the hand clap emoji, a smiley emoji. <laughs> and then her, that was her title. Then she wrote, cool podcast, highly recommend. Very funny. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. <laughs> that's a true, that's a true daughter. Yes. Thank she you, become our favorite, Jesse. Our favorite kid. Slytherin Jesse with a Y, whoever you are. <laughs> Um, yeah, emoji game is strong. Um, we all, we also got, uh, I think, at least one email. Did you want to read it? Yeah, we also heard from Maya over email. I'll go ahead and read it here. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. Hi, Jim and Emily. I listened to not one, not two, but three podcasts in a row earlier this week. They were wonderful. The intro with the music reminded me of a serial podcast, which made me love it even more. <laughs> My serial based their podcast off of the post Sunday blues or preaching postmortem goes on to time, say time travel. I was shocked at how legit the podcast was as a whole. I knew Jim would it excel is kind of in his role as the interviewee flex, but Emily did an equally fantastic job of asking good uh, questions oh, and you, inserting her own thoughts from time to time, which I really appreciated. I agree. No questions. Just wanted to reach out and say, job well done. I will most certainly continue listening. Maya, a newly converted Hal and Wolf. Oh, thank you, Maya. It is kind of fun to hear, or not kind of. I, I enjoy hearing from you guys. Um, again, like I've said other times, I just kind of like sitting and talking to my husband, which <laughs> isn't, I know that sometimes I give the appearance that I don't like doing that, but I actually do. Never. So as long as that happens, I'm, I'm fine. But I appreciate that other people are interested too. We do want to hear more from you, especially just to know, like, how could this podcast be shaped so that we're encouraging mm-hmm. you, that we're um, entertaining you, whatever it is. I know that we also got one more text. I think you're about to read. Yes. Another Helen Wolf Kelly. Really enjoy the podcast. You and Emily are my companions as I fold laundry, mop the floor, and eat oatmeal on Thursday mornings. Especially appreciate the banter between you two. Hmm. Loved hearing about the Scottish Psalter and your birth plan with Josiah. Kelly, thank you so much. And never in a million years did I ever ever think that I would receive a text message that said, loved hearing about the Scottish Psalter and your birth plan with Josiah. But here we are. That is, that's what our podcast is. It is uh, trying to interweave the stories from our past and kind of who we are and mm-hmm. where where we are and what your heart has been in preaching sermons to people. I think the biggest heart is just being a message of grace to people, showing God's grace, being instruments of grace that show that we're broken people and we need we need Jesus as mm-hmm. much as anyone else. So it's fun. Um, again, please rate, review, subscribe, just for fun, just so that we have some 
It'll be fun. Some momentum. You like it. Yeah. Some 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 momentum and encouragement some to keep momentum. on. Yeah. Um, and I think you wanted to tell us what's coming up since this was a two week. Right. So be sure interview. to tune in next week as well when we will debrief and give preaching postmortems about not one but two messages. So Ash Wednesday is this coming Wednesday. That's when we'll kick off the Lenten season. Like I mentioned before, we're going to be focusing on issues of racial injustice, so we'll be able to talk about that from Ash Wednesday and then the Sunday morning podcast. And as an extra incentive to tune in, Howlin' Wolves, you should know that by far, Emily strongly dislikes, even hates my homilies so much more than my actual sermon. So <laughs> Do I actually Christmas have to take Eve, notes? Do I take notes Christmas on Wednesday? Eve, Ash Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday... Emily's like, those are so bad. <laughs> I want I want your support, guys. You need to take careful notes, write them in. Uh, Jim loves those critics. <laughs> I thrive on critical feedback. We all know this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, give us our, your feedback, whether positive or not. Uh, look forward to hearing from you guys, and we'll see you later. So how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Well, sometimes... uh, or I, I actually don't want to get into the habit of giving people a bonus every time. Really? Yeah. Why not? I Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Keep them <laughs> off guard. <laughs>